0: Last week we spent quite a bit of time, actually, just sort of setting this this study up, um, because uh, as we talked last week, hell is challenging, right? So it's a really challenging topic, and we don't like to talk about it. <laughs> and well, the topic of hell is certainly challenging because um, it's it's we we were looking last week at, at really the gravity of the subject matter because we know biblically speaking that and we would believe because uh, all of us here have already driven this stick and as Ricky says that uh, that the Bible is the authoritative word of God whether we like it or not and I think that we even uh, heard a little bit last week about some of us that read things in the Bible that quite frankly if we're honest with ourselves we don't like and um, there are some real challenging things in the Bible. And why is that? Why are there some things that are so challenging in the Bible?
1: Because it goes against our will.
0: Because of sin and? It
1: goes against our will.
0: And because it goes against our will and our nature. <clears throat> okay? And so as we go through this study on hell, we're going to clearly be taking a look at the nature of God, which is so far outside of our nature. That we, we looked at the three scripture references, and I put them on your sheet again this week because they're so important, and I think that we need to to bathe this whole study in these three scripture. Yeah, references. I'm
2: gonna have to ask for a cut and paper, Mike, if you're telling me where those sheets are for me
1: i be here on a time uh, next time, Tim. I right.
2: about washing washing.
0: We, uh. we do we There's a
2: whole bunch of them here. We need one for the this
1: convertible
2: I need <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: no, thank you. So you not have to give lessons. <laughs> Here, Good. Good. Now, we, now we've got
0: those passed out. So last week we said that the Word of God is truth, mm-hmm. and we saw that in John one one, and also in John fourteen six, that what we are assured of this truth, because in the beginning was the Word. And then Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we we stake a claim to that, don't we? We absolutely stake a claim to that. That becomes pretty important because tonight, starting tonight, as we look at the definition of hell and the words for hell, and then begin to look at what Jesus had to say about hell. In fact, on your outline you'll see, uh, I have entitled just a few scripture references we're going to start looking at tonight. Jesus said, what? Because I think that as we look at what Jesus said in the context of the topic, we're going to take a look at more than just the words. We have to take a look at what Jesus said about hell. Because we're comfortable with what he said about heaven. But we have to take a look at what... We weren't there. So I don't know what inflection he had in his voice. And that always matters, doesn't it? You ever get a text, Vinny? You ever get a text from somebody and you're guessing if they were angry or if I mean, what was behind? Because the words kind of startled you a little bit. Yeah, there's no, there's no voice inflection, you know, and so we don't know what Jesus' voice inflection was, but we know what his words were, and so we have to take a look deeper into who his audience was, what he said where he was when he said it, and what was behind it. Because there's always a story. There's always a story, and we're going to start that process tonight. But before we go there, I just wanted to read these three references that we looked at last week, because it's critically important that as we go down this road... and. And I really want you to get really, really comfortable, even more than we were last week, which was pretty comfortable, by stopping the whole process and saying, wait a minute, I don't agree with that. Or, I don't understand that. Or, I don't like that. It's okay. That's all good. Because, I will tell you this, I'm sure there were some in Jesus' audience that were thinking the same thing. They were thinking the same thing when he was talking about this challenging subject matter of hell. So, Isaiah 55 9 says that as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than yours. We're very comfortable with that, aren't we? We know that we know about this diatheki relationship that we have with the Lord. It's the greater to the lesser, and He is the potter, we are the clay. And only when we're outside of uh, walking in the spirit do we even question that. Sometimes in our flesh, we question that. Sometimes when we're disobedient, we're not questioning it until we find out that, uh uh-oh, maybe I have been kind of disobedient in this area. And we find out that it was because it was what you said, our will, right? Not, Not His. And so we have to be very careful with that because it's a challenge to be in God's will all the time, isn't it? We tend to fall back into our flesh, and we don't want to do that because of the importance of this topic. We want to be in the spirit that we are allowing God to speak to us about hell. Job said, how great is God and he is beyond our understanding. Clearly, God is beyond our understanding. And I would submit to you that this topic is beyond our understanding, except for what God's word has given to us that we can understand. Because he has only given us what we need, not necessarily what we want. And therefore, Psalm 115.3 says, God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. Mm-hmm. So we, I just want to be reminded that, and we'll do this every week, I want to be reminded that when we're studying this topic, that God is God and we are not. We are not. at a a certain point as I've been going through my study, I had to say Lord, I don't like it. Part of it I don't understand. And at the same time, you are Lord. And we just end up having to submit. Even when we lack understanding. Even when we lack understanding. So, um, the thing about this truth about hell is, is that you see Everything in scripture that we're going to start reading and we're going to start not to see all the scripture references, you know me, I can't stop with my scripture references because we have to go back to scripture at all times because it matters not what I say, it matters what the the Bible uh, uh, teaches, it matters what God's word says. But we have to know that the truth is in Scripture, and I don't care whether we're talking about uh, hell or the hot topic of the day, uh, you know, homosexuality, and I love that one because, boy, the church is getting blasted right now on that, right? Because you're intolerant if you talk about either one of those words right now, and yet it doesn't matter what we say, what does God's word say? And so in the the context that you talk about this with somebody, you can have a conversation with another brother or sister in the Lord about hell and get into some pretty hot water with them based on where they're coming from and what they choose to believe. And it's becoming more and more popular all the time to soften the blow. Because we're going to see tonight in what some of the words are that Jesus had to describe hell, that it's kind of a blow. It's tough. And we're going to see that. And so, uh, and the, re- the reason I bring up the homosexuality piece is that, that um, uh, we were, I'm reminded that, um, that uh, Pastor Ritchie brought this to our attention uh, on the worship team last week, and he said, hey, the, the question has arisen um, uh, are homosexuals um, welcome in our church? And um, and so you know there was there was um, it was unanimous yes of course but then the qualifications began to come and you know good solid questions like but for how long do we allow somebody that is clearly outside of God's will in a particular area of their life to go through that sanctification process? It's a good question. How long? Do we allow somebody in church that is an alcoholic? Or how long do we allow somebody in the church that doesn't believe that there is a hell? That has brought into the, you know, the the rebellism, if you will. That there is no hell and everybody is going to be redeemed and everybody's going to heaven. It's just a matter of taking corrective action and then identifying what God says. So, when we look at hell, we're going to look at it from the basis of what God says, and then he can deal with us. Each one of us. Because that's what he does. Right? He deals with each one of us. So, people matter, and the topic matters, and so we have to go forward on that basis. Now, we're going to leave room to wrestle with some of these things. Because I'll bet even tonight, somebody's going to hear something that is going to prompt you to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, and others are going to say, right on, that's what I believe and that's what I've always believed, and it's okay, because we are going to run across at least one issue, I'm pretty sure, at least one issue where there may be a difference of opinion in this room, and I'm not going to tell you what that is until we get there, okay? Okay? So, how would you define hell? The absence of God. The absence of God?
1: The most miserable place you could possibly imagine.
0: Hell is defined as the most miserable place that you could possibly imagine. Hot. Hot. Hell. Okay. And once you're
1: there, there's no getting
0: out. And hell can be, as part of the definition, once you're there, there's no getting out. Anything else? Eternal. Eternal. Mm-hmm. Every one of those are very biblical definitions of of hell.
1: Place for those who don't accept the Lord.
0: Hell is a place for those that don't accept the Lord. Okay. Does Scripture, by the way, define hell?
1: Yes.
0: It does. Yeah. Okay. That's what we're here for. What? To define hell? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are all good responses. Mm-hmm. Every single response is a good response in terms of what the definition of hell is, the absence of God. Maybe we're going to look at that because is hell really absent God?
1: No, we all no.
0: Um, Because we're going to look at that. And <laughs> that's, that's probably um, some people would say that it is the absence of God. But we have, to, we have to more clearly define that because it's really the absence of a relationship with God in that place. But technically and biblically, we're going to see, not tonight, but we're going to see, and that's, and that's great, so hold that because this is a really important one, and that we're going to see that God actually isn't absent. But the relationship of those that are there is clearly absent, and that's very—that's a fine line, isn't it? That's a really fine line, but it's an important one, and it's—and we're going to get to that when we talk about this this big question that that I wrote last week, and that was, does a good and loving God send people to hell?
1: Because
0: everybody in the room said hell, and I said, are you sure? Well, you buy your own ticket. <laughs> well, 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 let's get going. <laughs> okay. That's well, boy. Yeah. All right. Let me give you a biblical definition of hell and tell me what you think. Hell is God's final punishment. Yes? No. No.
1: No. no. So like
0: the prior the final punishment. Oh, that's an awesome statement. The lake of fire is the final punishment. Okay, so what is the lake of fire?
1: That's where the devil and his angels are thrown, <laughs> into the lake of
0: fire. Okay, so you've read the book of Revelation. I uh-huh. Okay, and so the devil and his angels, that would be demons, all those fallen angels, are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Yeah, and so is
1: the Antichrist. All okay. Of, all of those who don't accept Christ are going to be in that lake of fire.
0: Oh. Everybody, but you agree with that? Agree or disagree? I'm sorry. Brenda said that all of those that don't accept Christ are going to be thrown in the lake of fire with the devil and his. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible says. I agree that but
2: they're not going to heaven; they're going to hell.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hell. <sighs> you said that it, you you're having difficulty with that definition that hell is is. The place of God's final punishment. Mm -hmm. Is the trouble you're having the word final? Mm -hmm. Okay. Does anybody have a problem with the word punishment? Oh, it's awfully quiet. Do
2: you think the world has a problem with the word sin?
0: I'm not talking about the world. I'm more talking about you. Uh,
2: Punishment? Yeah. You don't have a problem? I think we we deserve.
1: Punishment. Hmm. We all deserve hell.
0: Yeah. We deserve hell. But it is hell punishment? Absolutely. Excuse me? Absolute reward. Absolutely, absolutely. 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 is punishment? Yes.
1: It talks of gnashing of teeth and being in very uncomfortable circumstances like mm-hmm. think it would be. <laughs> <laughs> happy <laughs> one.
0: Well it's not happy, but is that, is that punishment?
1: I would say, yeah, it is. Okay. Because it's going to be the final judgment.
0: Oh, yes. <clears throat> it's a judgment. The ultimate
1: judgment, and then after judgment
0: comes the judgment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's look into that just a little bit deeper, because I think it's important, because we use the word hell, and I get a sense even right now that when we use the, the word hell right now, that everybody in this room pours a slightly different meaning into it okay because hell has the final punishment okay now is there a final let's assume for a moment that the bible says that hell is God's punishment okay right alright if that's the case for purposes of discussion if hell is punishment is it the final punishment and is there something other than hell that is not (coughs) fine.
1: Well, there are other things other than hell that (coughs) could be punishment. Like what? Well, that could happen here in our present life, that we would go through something that God is using as punishment to get us straightened out. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be hell. I -hmm. mean, that's that's for after
0: we leave the body. (laughs) That's interesting because we're going we're gonna to explore that just a little bit because the camp that would believe that there isn't any hell, because we have, these, we have these words for hell and it's important to understand what they are because when Susan says hell, does she mean the same thing that I mean when I say hell? We better look at these words and understand what the Bible says and what they mean. So what are some of the names of, of hell. Oh, gee, I got it right there. So you've all cheated, and what are they? Okay,
1: but they all don't mean the same thing.
0: But they all don't mean the same thing. Let's explore what they mean. What would a first-century Jew understand if somebody used the word that we're familiar with, hell? A first century Jew. Okay? Jesus hasn't taught on hell again. They don't have the New Testament. The church hasn't been established.
1: They didn't even believe in it because they life. Hmm. They
0: didn't
1: use the word hell either. They, didn't
0: use they, they used one of these other words depending on what they were talking about. They used one of these other words depending on what they were talking about. And so, and, and what? Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, I'm going to get in big trouble with this, but your next reference, which is Genesis 37:35, reads All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. A no, he said, In the morning I will go down to the grave, and put up the footnote says, Sheol, to my son. So his father
0: wept for him. Mm. Interesting, because we're going to get there in just a second. I didn't mean to go ahead. That's okay. You, you went ahead. ahead not and you. I'm going to reel you. I'm going to reel you back in for just a second.
1: Well, huh? I was thinking of. Of Lazarus and the rich man and he went to Abraham's bosom and there was a great divide and the, um, the ones that were like Lazarus were with Abraham on one side and all the rich man and all the other people that he believed were on were in the punishment already but they were in kind of a holding thing ah. to be there until when I mean, Jesus died he went down and took the to the saved ones with
0: him in up to heaven. Mm. But apparently, he left the others down. In the... Ooh, lots of theology going on <laughs> in her all of a sudden, huh? Yeah. So, and, and one of the things that I, I'm so influenced by uh, Olivia, I love Olivia because um, just I've never said this, so I'm going to now say it publicly. Um, remember a couple of years ago, when you said, Phil, can you just get to the point? Yeah. I, 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 no, that's really that's really powerful. Because what happens if we're not careful here, we can get so strung out on all the minutiae and that is for really high end theologians to do, isn't it? And people write volumes of books on on Hades and the difference between Hades and The Abyss, for an example. Volumes of books on that one thing. And they studied that one topic for years to get there. That's not what we're here for. What we're here for is to get an idea of what God's Word says about hell. And so we're going to have to keep it relatively simple, mostly because I'm a relatively simple kind of a guy. So we have to understand and we agree that that hell, the way we use the word hell today is really is a really, uh, punishment. And we see that in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at it, and we see it introduced in the Old Testament, but we have to wait all those years later before it begins to sort of mature in the teaching on what hell is and who's going there and what it's about in the New Testament. And Jesus was the one that told us the most about it. So we see that in the first century in Jesus' day, we see that in the Old Testament, that hell was a place of punishment. And the first century Jew, when you mentioned this place, would clearly get that. No question about it. And we're going to see why in just a second. We also see that hell is always described in Scripture using images. What's the images that we see? Fire. Fire and darkness. We see that a lot. We also see the words torment. These are horrific things when you stop and think about it. Because now personalize that and think about somebody you know. This is the hard part. Think about somebody you know who doesn't know Christ. And think about fire, the image of fire. And think about torment. And then think about, I like this one, lament. What is, if somebody's in hell and they lament being there, that means they're, oh my gosh, (laughs) what a, huh? Regrettably sorrowful. For how long? Eternity. Eternity. Now the gravity comes in. And that should give us a little bit of pause as we personalize that not because we're going there but because we might know someone who is on that pathway that's a that's a great thought
2: as Billy Graham has never preached without giving an invitation to accept Christ I've never heard you talk without covering what he just covered which is the tremendous heart you have for the unsaved but we all should have a growing heart for the
0: unsaved. We, we need to have a growing heart for the unsaved. There's no question about it. Jesus did. And yet Jesus, we're going to see tonight, was really firm when he started talking about this. Really firm. And we're going to have to wrestle with this loving Jesus using these very firm words. But we also see that hell is a place of either annihilation or ever, never ending punishment. Because in Christian circles, and in the Bible, and we're going to see so now the cat's out of the bag, we're going to see a doctrine of annihilationism, which the early Jewish believers would have been exposed to, because that was a teaching, it was a rabbinical teaching non-biblical that for several thousand years persisted, and it came into the church initially. And annihilationism, which is a term for people going to hell but not being there for an eternity, has been a Christian doctrine in some circles ever since. And when I say ever since, since it was a rabbinical teaching well before Jesus came on the scene. Interesting. And of course, when we use the word hell, Today, Wes, what do you mean when you say, oh, that person, if they're going to continue on this path, they're going to go to hell. <coughs> what do you mean when you say they're going to go to hell? Well, they're not going to heaven, that's for sure. It's the opposite of heaven. Yeah. That's a great. That's, a, that's great. Because that's exactly what it is. It's just the opposite of heaven. And it's hell a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a place. This is real stuff. This is a real deal. And, and again, it's... Uh, I don't know about you, but man, it makes my heart ache when I think about that. And so, we're going to take a look at it. So this word... How do you pronounce this word? S-H-E-O-L Sheol This is a Hebrew word, right? How do we know that Sheol is a Hebrew word? Yeah, because it says so <laughs> in our commentary. <laughs> yeah, it, like it, in it certainly doesn't look like an English word, and we know it's not a Greek word, and it's a word because it's a term that was used for hell in the Old Testament books only, only in the Old Testament, and of course it's used 66 times in the Old Testament, and it's not used in the New. Interesting.
1: What did you Uh, I don't know
0: there's this whole numeric thing in in Scripture that I just don't get I don't don't understand it um, because I'm just not I'm not a numeric guy but I can tell you this um, there is significance to numbers in God's word there's no question about that but 66 times in the Old Testament this word Sheol is used and it is used for identifying the realm of or the location of hell the place that you just described which is the opposite place that people are going if they have not put their faith in Christ even Old Testament saints which we'll deal with later um, had an understanding of this place called hell, this separation from God where he is they understood that Uh, my wife is
2: Lamenting lamenting because she's not here and as you may remember last week, she was pretty firm on that absence of God thing. So I... And so, with your permission, I'll read you what she did. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> I do know, know that. I know that I have to be very careful when I represent Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus has the keys to heaven and hell. God can destroy the body and soul there. The lake of fire which is made for Satan will be thrown into hell slash Hades. There is gnashing of teeth without end there. And yes, God talks of it as the outer reaches of darkness. There is a scripture that talks about separation from God. I think it's Old Testament, unlikely not, to say what it is. Sheol is a place people cast in that are not under the righteousness of Christ awaiting for the white throne of good judgment, not to be confused with Hades. Mm. Um, that helps, but I...
0: Interesting. Well, we're, when we get done in about 15 or 20 minutes for three weeks, um, <laughs> with these definitions of hell it's, it's going to be important to, to identify the biblical truth of, of what was just read there which I would support virtually everything that, that you just read but let's take a look at this definition by going to Genesis and you already read it um, Mr. Hundred Nine. you read this scripture in Genesis thirty-seven, thirty-five. is anybody there? anybody that would like to?
2: All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he says, in the morning I will go down to the grave, Sheol, to be
0: to my son. So his father wept for him. And so, uh, what's the first thing that we learn about this uh, this word, Sheol, in Genesis 35-37? What's a couple things that stand out? It's the first to the grave. It's referred to as the grave, depending on which. I I I kind of like the American standard version, which is what I used and copied in my notes. But um, but that's okay. It says that he will. Well, will, what else? It's referred to as the grave in some uh, in some translations. What else jumps out to you in Genesis thirty-seven thirty-five? It is down. Yeah. It is down. And that's a really interesting thing to observe because you're going to find that whenever we are confronted with any one of the words for hell in both the Old and the New Testament, it is always referred to as down. What did we learn when we studied heaven? Um, Always up. Isn't that fascinating? When we get to the point where we are surely going to have some differences of opinion on exactly where hell is located, I assure you, Something would be wrong if in a group this size, there wasn't some disagreement on where hell is. And we're going to deal with that tonight before we go home. Because I love controversy. So, so, we see that it is down. Turn to Proverbs 9.18 as it relates to Sheol, this Hebrew word that we see 66 times in the Old Testament. But little
1: do they know that the dead are there. Yeah, her are in the
0: What do we learn about this Hebrew word from Proverbs 9.18? The dead are
1: there.
0: The dead are there. Make a note. You want to circle that one in your Bibles, or if you're not a Bible circler, make a note on a piece of paper. The dead are there. Sheol. Hebrew word. Sixty-six times in the Old Testament only. Sheol. The dead are there.
1: And this all the dead? You no, know, the unrighteous all the dead, dead. dead? before Christ? We're going to answer that.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, my translation of the Bible says they are in the depths of hell. Uh
0: huh. And is that the New King James? Yes. Okay. And does anybody have an NIV? Yeah, it says uh, the footnote on that is uh, Sheol
2: for grave, for grave." Yeah. Okay, dead grave
0: Sheol,
1: yeah. hell. We have the footnote on hell yes.
0: and and that's interesting because as we deal with these various translations, there are some there are some very good ones. One of the things I like about the NIV, as you well know, which is why we use it here, the 1984 and pre 1984. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, NIV be, before they went gender neutral and they changed it all which, which it was which was a gross accommodation for our culture and had very little to do with accuracy in terms of the translation itself however um, the, the thing that I like about the NIV is that it's a thought for thought translation and when they give us a thought it allows us to think in the words that we would use because I don't speak King James English mm-hmm. so sometimes I knoweth not You know, it's hard to speak and it's hard to read in the King James English. So I like the NIV, 1984 or or earlier, and yet there are some other, the ESV and the the ASV, those are also good. The ASV says, but he knoweth not that the dead are there, that her her guests are in the depths. The depths referring to what?
1: Yeah. Down. And it's
0: really interesting because when we talk about death in the Bible what happens what happened when God created what did God create us out of dust mind boggling and what happens when we're done with the physical part of our
1: body
0: the only thing that's going to exist of you west when you die is whatever gold you have in your teeth, right? Right. that's it and that, that's because it's hard yeah. Okay. we're going back to the dust it's just dust and so what's going to happen here there is this sense that Sheol is, is a, uh, a realm of or a location of hell, so think about that depths people are buried there so I just want you to just put that in the back of your mind for a second as we go through some of these other terms. How about Hades? What is the definition of Hades? Anybody want to take a crack at it? It's totally okay if you're wrong. Wild stab in the dark? I think Hades is more like what we
1: think of as hell.
0: Okay. Different than Sheol? Yeah. You? Okay. So we have one on the table that is more like what we think about. Hades is more what we think of in terms of hell today. New Testament. Okay, it's New Testament. Okay, so, so let's go down that path for just a second. So, so this, this word Hades, um, what language does that come from? Anybody know? It's in the New Testament, Greek, because it's, Greek, it's in the New Testament. Okay, it's not an Old Testament word, is it? It's not a Hebrew word. It is a Greek word, and so we get, we start getting pretty comfortable with that because we're kind of New Testament folks.
2: That's unfortunate
0: because without the Old Testament knowledge, the New Testament has a hard time coming to life. You ever hear of those people that go to Israel? I've never been there. I really want to go one day, and they go to Israel. And you hear that comment, oh my gosh, the Bible like came to life. (laughs) Well, it came to life because, I mean, Israel is like the country. And all this stuff takes place around that region. And it started in Old Testament times. Not, you know, it wasn't just popular when Jesus showed up. And so these things begin to come to life. But we see that Hades is a Greek term And the Greek word for Hades, are you ready for this? Means, you ready? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: The realm or the location of the dead. I find that fascinating because it's the same definition in the Hebrew for Sheol. So if you think about it, The New Testament writers were speaking Greek. This is going to be important as we go a little bit farther in, so you've got to stick with me on this, okay? As we go a little farther in, Sheol was used by the Old Testament writers because they were writing and speaking in Hebrew. Hades was written in Greek. That's a Greek word, which means essentially the same thing as Sheol, which is what the word in the day was that you described as hell, Wes. Isn't it interesting? So, in one sense, Susan is absolutely correct. It's quite aligned with the word that we would use for hell. When we say, um, God forbid that anybody in this room would say, oh, you know, go to hell, that would be a horrible thing to say to somebody, would it not? that would be a horrible thing to say to somebody that's the last thing that we would now, are we capable of that? of course we are, and what do we mean by that? we mean that place where God doesn't exist, he's not there we mean that place of eternal punishment, we mean that that's what we're, we're accustomed to that but these two words necessarily mean the realm or location of the dead leave it there for just a second because the question on the table that didn't get answered was, all oh, dead? Wait a minute. We just got done studying heaven. Well, before Jesus was
1: Yeah, all dead. When, when I asked that, we were talking about Sheol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Was... Okay, remind me to come back. Because
0: who's in Sheol, the realm or location of the dead is Sheol, and is in the Hebrew and Hades in the Greek a very specific absolute location. Yes, hold on to that top. We're coming back.
1: My Bible says, separate abodes
0: of the dead. Aha. Okay. Now the cat's getting a little farther out of the bag. That's okay. Cat's getting a little... Because we need to be sure, because these definitions are going to drive all of the rest of our study. That's why it's worth taking a little bit of time. Because we just say, hell. Right? And I love what you guys say. Because that's the way we think about it. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we read the Old and the New Testament, and when we see what the first century Jew thought when the word Sheol or Hades was used, we have to understand what they knew that word to mean, because words change. I told my wife this morning that it was a great day, and I was gay. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that used to mean happy that's and because at
0: your age you know that that means that I'm happy and joyful and woohoo it's going to be a good day. But in Vinny's generation, it means that I just came out of the closet and I'm making a public pronouncement of my sexual orientation. Right? Words change. Stop. Just I want you to stop. Sheol, Hades. Two different languages. One people group that Jesus is going to speak to. Okay, I just just so just hang on to that. and Bear with me. A thing. Revelation 20: 13. Somebody's got to be there.
1: The sea gave up the dead.
2: Alleluia. And the death and Hades gave up the dead. in. And each person was judged according to what he had done.
0: What does this scripture tell us then about Hades?
1: Hmm. Okay. Temporary.
0: Somebody said it's temporary. Right. Okay.
1: And only the unrighteousness.
0: Okay. Somebody said that. <laughs> now let me rephrase the question one more time for you. What does this scripture say about Hades? The dead, the are, dead,
1: or, in
0: the the dead are in it. The dead are in it. Okay. And what else does this one scripture say about the place Hades?
1: Death and Hades. They're they're identified as almost the same thing. Okay. Delivered up the dead who were in them. It doesn't say everybody was in there.
0: No. What does it say, though? It talks
1: about being judged.
0: It talks about... Okay, there's judgment. Yeah. We're getting there. The
1: According to what he had done.
0: See. Okay, judged according to what they were done. But there's something else really critical here about Hades. What happened? Before the judgment,
1: the dead, the dead what? We're, huh? there. we're there. Yeah,
0: and then what happened to them? They were, given up. they were given up. The dead in Hades were given up for what? For judgment. For judgment. <laughs> for judgment. Who said that Hades is a temporary place?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Her Bible did. Yeah, she's been reading. Hades according to Revelation 20:13, is a place where there is death, and death and Hades gave up. We're not saying who was there yet. Gave up those that were there. To what? To judgment. Now, based on this study that we just did about end times in heaven, Hades, where people are dead, have been given up. There's a chronological sequence to this. They're dead there. According to the Revelation, they are given up to judgment. What judgment do you suppose John the Revelator is talking about?
1: The great white, the great
0: white throne judgment. Ultimate judgment. <laughs> final. There is no more judgment after the great white throne judgment. That's it. We learned that when we were studying the end times. Hades, all of a sudden, are you getting the picture here? Is not hell as we would define it permanently. Okay, here's our first clue by looking at the definition of Hades, biblically speaking. Is there a present hell and a future hell?
1: Sure. You could detect that stuff from that. You, mm-hmm. can, you can get that.
0: We can certainly start to get there from here, can't we? Okay, so hang on to that because we're going to answer that that's question the, very clearly later. Especially if you consider Hades and hell the
1: same thing. Hmm. Because I always thought they
0: were. Oh, uh-huh. So heaven is heaven. Yeah. When you say heaven, what do you think of? Huh. Absence body, presence of the Lord. No question about it.
1: Which one? Huh? Oh. Which one? Which heaven? Yeah. Yeah. Is it the past heaven,
0: the present heaven, or the future heaven? We dealt with that, didn't we? Because there's one of each of those. The past heaven is done. The present heaven is if we, unfortunately, get hit by a bus tonight, where we're going to be with the Lord. And the future is, of course, what he said. The new heavens and the new earth. It's going to boom. It's going to collide. And it's going to be the most wonderful thing that we can't even imagine. So we know that. What about hell? Here's our first indication. Because we're going to answer that definitively, biblically speaking. Okay, Where do you go? Because that's one of the questions. Where do you go when you die if you are not a believer on Jesus Christ? We have to answer that question. Because everybody in this room would probably have the same answer. Anybody think, hell? What are we talking about?
1: What, what are we talking about?
0: I'm talking about the final version. Is hell. Okay, see, so your definition of hell is after the great white throne judgment. That's what you're saying. Okay, okay, so that's good. But see, you know that. In your mind, if you say, go to hell, I hope that you wouldn't say that. But if that's what you said, you would mean the final destination of ultimate punishment from God, because we've decided without even looking at Scripture quite yet, we've all decided that that was punishment.
2: Well, what I'm kind of getting out of this is Hades is like purgatory. Oh! (laughs) I I never even thought of purgatory until just reading that. Oh, that's awesome, Dwayne,
0: because we're going to talk about purgatory too, and we have to, and I'm telling you, you can make Scripture say anything you want to, but we have to deal with what is Hades and what is Sheol, and what is ultimately the word that we use? Hell. Okay? So let's keep going. Look at Revelation 20.14. Let's finish up this Hades mm-hmm. things, because Canada is really a challenging one. Yeah. Revelation
1: 20.14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death.
0: But all of a sudden in the book of Revelation here, the same 20th chapter, we are confronted with something else. The term is lake of fire. But it says we're not going to go there yet because we're going to define that in just a second. But it says, then death and Hades were what? Isn't that fascinating? Do you see the connection here? From, from the verse right previous to it two verses in a row and verse 13 says that death and Hades gave up the dead that were there to judgment and then in 14 it says and then de- death and Hades it's chronologic it's chronologic death and Hades gave up for judgment and then what and then after judgment
1: Death and Hades were cast into the lake
0: of fire, and that is the final, That's the second death. The, death, the final death, the hell that Scotty's talking about. That ultimate hell, that ultimate location that Scotty was referring to, is what Revelation 20:14 is talking about. That's the lake of fire we're going to look at in just a second, because death and Hades were then thrown into the lake of fire. Now. I'm trying to, this is a building block process here because we're talking about Sheol, we're talking about Hades, we're talking about at death, if your name isn't written in the Lamb's Book of Life, there's only two places to go. And we're trying to define the terms so that we're comfortable when we talk about it. And and, and by the way, this is the keeping it simple model.
1: <laughs> if you think this is
0: complicated, you ain't seen nothing. This is really the simplified model. It's just Sheol and Hades are nothing more than really the same place in two different languages. Okay? So think about it that way. And now we're dealing with this Hades. We're really comfortable with Hades all of a sudden because people have died and they are dead and the death and Hades gave up to ultimate judgment the white throne judgment that we studied before we don't have to go over that again we're comfortable with that that's where everybody is going to be judged How You say we're comfortable with this <laughs> we're not comfortable with the, with the Hades we're comfortable that we know it All right. okay? we're comfortable that we understand it because we spent weeks studying it and yet we know that the whole kit and caboodle <coughs> that's not a biblical term but the whole kitten caboodle <laughs> is thrown into the lake of fire, that ultimate place. Powerful. Very powerful. Gehenna, uh, yes? It's
1: acting like death is a noun. How is that like a burden. Well,
0: it sometimes is used as a noun and sometimes is used as a verb. Like you know, dying
2: is a verb. Dying is a verb <laughs> huh? and being dead is a noun.
0: Mm. It, can, it, it can be I used might
1: like get something, you know. Yeah.
0: Death and babies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and death. And so, what is what is death? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <there>
1: is.
0: <laughs> 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 and and there's a and there's a second death because death isn't just death isn't just what happens if if I keeled right. over right now. That there's a physicality to that. But it's more than that because there's a spiritual life and a spiritual death there's a physical life and a, spi- and a physical death and we talk about that in the heavenly realms that's quite different isn't it that's quite different because we have a physical body that's spiritual and we're going to have a spiritual body that's physical and that we can't relate to
1: well
0: we know we're going to find this out too because where is hell what happens when what happens when you die if you are not one that has put their faith in Jesus Christ, is there any physicality to that? We'll deal with that, but we're jumping ahead of ourselves. We have to deal with Hades is a place, and there is death there, and there is ultimate judgment in chronologic order. There is final judgment, and then the lake of fire. But what about this word Gehenna? That's a daughter Gehenna is a garbage heap. Okay, how do we know that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the valley of Gehenna, just, just behind the temple, is buried <clears> through the trash and there's bits of bone and stuff, and the fire is burning all the time. The fire never goes out.
0: In the valley. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Anybody else want to add something to that? Well, for the non-believers, the scientists,
0: I think it's still there. The Valley of Gehenna. Yeah. Is it exactly. called the Valley of Gehenna?
1: No. No, it's not. What is it? The Valley of Hinnom. Hinnom. Ah, yes. So it's sacrifices were burned there. Okay.
0: This is interesting because Jesus, the, the reason this is important is because we're going to see that Jesus uses this term. Gehenna. Gehenna. It's a Greek word. We find it in the New Testament. And it is a word that is derived from this valley of pinum. That's where the root word comes from. And we see it as a garbage dump, don't we? Why do we see it as a garbage dump? What have we read that would make us believe that this Gehenna word refers to a a burning dump
1: it's somewhere in the New Testament I can't remember where well we're going to
0: find out why don't we look when it is used in the New Testament it is only used as a way of noting a place of judgment in the afterlife and we're going to see this in the afterlife because when we get to the great white throne of judgment, those who are going to be there, what will have had to have happened to get there? The
1: the you have,
0: yeah, you all got to be dead, okay? Ain't nobody going there alive, okay? You got to be dead. White throne of judgment, you have to not accept Christ. That's right. Jesus. That's exactly right. And so this Gehenna then, <coughs> interestingly, is referred to as this burning place, But the root word from Gehenna is Hinnom, which is referring to this valley that's very close, by the way, to Jerusalem, right? It's just like that. right, Right out there. Still there. Yeah. Oh, it's throughout the Scriptures. We, we, we can see this place referred to throughout the Scriptures. It becomes pretty important as we referred to this word for a word for hell. It really should get our attention because it's the one that Jesus used a lot. What happened? You know about what happened in that valley. Oh what what happened? Yeah, generally what was going on there?
1: In Jeremiah, I believe it was they referring to being
0: sacrificed.
1: Children
0: were being sacrificed to Baal. Baal and remember the other God that the Israelites bailed out to? <laughs> Baal and Molech. And this was a place where this really happened. That This is not myth, it's not a story, it's not a fairy tale. There were people that were worshipping these gods that took their children and put them in the fire. Because they had been so misled and distorted by the sacrificial system that they got they got uh, they got so caught up that the child sacrifice was one of the predominant means of worship.
1: didn't they have their statues made out of iron, and they would light the fire at the bottom and heat it up, and then they. Children in the army after off.
0: We see that there were multiple ways that children were burned to death. And the point for us tonight is that they were burned to death in sacrifice. And the first place we see this is in 2 Kings, I didn't put it in your list, but 2 Kings 61.3. Uh, and we see also in Jeremiah, Jeremiah the prophet called the Valley of Hinnom, the Valley of
1: Slaughter,
0: mm-hmm. Jeremiah. Very powerful yeah. words being used to describe what was going on. So, Blaine, you, you said a, a burning fire dump kind of a thing, right? Yeah. What did we used to do with all of our, our in the old days? Trout,
1: trout, trout. 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 We
0: had an incinerator when my parents bought a house, and. Yeah. We were styling. My parents bought a house from behind, behind bonds. It was Safeway then, you know? And they were brand new on Valley Rio. And I'll never forget this because I remember later on my dad told me he paid $16,800 and some odd dollars for that house. and thought there's no way on God's green earth that he would ever be able to pay that back. It was $16,000. And so, uh, now a smart car costs more than that, right? don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay, well, oh, it's good. But, but, the, but the point is, is that Uh, When I remember as a kid, I was five when we moved to that house, and there was an incinerator in the backyard. They'd take the trash out. There was no Harrison trash service of the day. And we would incinerate the trash. We would burn the trash. Very interesting, because we see this Gehenna used in Scripture (coughs) regularly, and it is referring to fire. The imagery that we have is fire. But I want to share something. It's not the fire from the dump. It's the fire from the sacrifices. The fire from the sacrifices. And here's what happens when we're not careful. And we're going to look at this a little closer a little bit later. There was always an incineration process happening outside of the towns in the first century because all the waste went there. And when the waste went there, they put it in the dump and it was a stinky, nasty place just like they were before we had environmental regulations (laughs) here. Dumps were stinky, nasty places. And they actually burned stuff there. And they were usually on the outskirts of town. Go to Mexico, it's Mm -hmm. still that way. Go to any third world country, it's still that way. And yet, what we've done is we have projected onto what scripture doesn't say that Gehenna, the valley of Hinnom is a place where all the trash went and all the dead bodies went in that valley and they burned it. Scripture says no such thing. What it says is that there was burning, and fire, and death, and it was grotesque, and it was horrific in this valley, because that's where the Israelites that were worshipping Baal, and the ones that were worshipping Moet, were sacrificing their children. The imagery is powerful, but the garbage dump was just outside of Jerusalem, because every town had every town had one. Gehenna, therefore, is that Greek word in the New Testament that is used and refers to this valley of Hinnom, And it's a valley that is outside of Jerusalem where burning, fire and torment. Can you imagine the torment of a child that knew it was going to be sacrificed? Are you kidding me? that's torment so we have to be careful when we when we read scripture so the challenge is to find the scripture that identifies Gehenna as the place that is referred to as the fiery dump or the trash what
1: was the Jeremiah
0: um, I did not write... I didn't put it in my notes. I only have the second king sixty one three. Jeremiah oh. 7... You might be able to look that up. Let's look at Matthew 5.22 in, in talking about this place, this word Gehenna. But I tell you that anyone
2: who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, that's an aromatic term of contempt, it says here, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. If
0: anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. The fire of hell. The imagery is the fire. The hell there is the word Gehenna. And so if we look at the fire of hell, the fire of Gehenna, the sacrifice, the torment, the, the, the unthinkable, unspeakable acts that were taking place there and, and and he puts it in the term here, these these are legal words that are being used that word, I don't know if it's in, in your translation but in the NIV, the word is raka, it says anyone who says to a brother or sister raka that means slang, listen to this now that means, that's a slang word for you knucklehead or stupid, calling somebody stupid, so So he says, if you call anybody stupid, you're answerable to the court. This is a court of law. This is a legal term that he's using. And then he says, you fool. If you speak like that, to who?
1: Anyone.
0: Anyone, but he's specifically referring to, if I spoke like that to you, Brenda, my sister in Christ, if I spoke to you and said, you dummy, if I said that, Scripture says that I am going to be answerable in court and I am in danger of burning in Gehenna. Yep. That's the sacrificial system where it was horrific torment. Can you imagine
1: that? Yeah, that's what it says. That's
0: what it says and what it means. How about James 3.6? We're all really familiar with this one in <laughs> the NIV. If somebody's got the NIV. James 3.6
2: the tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body it corrupts the whole person sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell
0: can you imagine what the word hell there what the reference is in the original language, in the Greek Gehenna referring back to this place again so if you think about Gehenna Gehenna is a word for hell and oh boy this is really serious stuff because Jesus uses this a lot and he talks about it in terms of fire, fire, fire fire torment, torment torment, torment punishment, punishment punishment, punishment I don't know about you that scares me. That's scary to me. Not because I'm going there. That's scary because that's serious. This word gehenna, which is used lightly in the church today, it's kind of hell light. In fact, if you read the the book, I don't want to keep picking on this one guy, but it's the one that's most popular these days, but, but if you read the book Love Wins, the Rob Bell book, he takes this term Gehenna and lightens it up so much that he says that really what it means is nothing more than a burning garbage dump, and so it's not that serious. Because it is really about hell on earth, because a garbage dump is kind of a stinky, nasty place. And he completely misses the fact that Gehenna is referring not to the stinky garbage dump on the outside of town. He's referring to the, the scripture, is referring to the valley of Hinnom where this horrific sacrificial system of children took place. Willingly, they sacrificed these children, burned them alive. That is hell. Amen? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. That is hell. Gehenna is serious business. And when Jesus starts using Gehenna, when he's talking to the Pharisees and says, you brood of pipers, you're going to Gehenna. They knew exactly what he was talking about because they were familiar with what was going on in the day in that valley. In the day in that valley, they were burning children to death. I can't imagine. For all I know, you can hear the screams in Jerusalem. I don't know. But we're talking about horrific behavior here.
1: And you're saying that happened at the same time as Jesus is talking about it? I'm, I'm
0: talking that they were in very close chronological proximity to one another. Yes.
1: But they actually sacrificed the fact that they during German. That's
0: right. What I'm saying is that when Jesus uses this term it is a term Gehenna that is referring to this activity in this specific place that his first century audience would have been very familiar with but it wasn't necessarily happening at that moment. Recent history. That's correct. But, but you've got to remember the mindset of a Jew in the first century. Recent history the way you and I think about it is last year.
1: <laughs> of that's right Okay, that was
0: a long time ago the way we think about it but it was as current in the way they were thinking about it a totally different mindset that first century Jewish mindset and so this is this is serious business and that's my point about Gehenna the definition, the biblical definition of Gehenna and then of course we have to go to the abyss we absolutely have to go to the abyss because that's what Scott is <laughs> talking about right? so what is the abyss Okay. It's a bottomless, unbounded pit mm. with immeasurable depth. Mm-hmm. That's the biblical definition. It's kind of like the, the abyss in the ocean. You don't know how far. it goes down. <laughs> Turn to Revelation eleven seven. Mm-hmm. Did I put that on the list? Yes, you did. Oh, good. Turn to Revelation eleven seven. Somebody read that.
1: Now, when they had finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them, overpower and kill them.
0: Hmm. Where is he coming from? Who is coming up there? The beast. Okay, read Revelation 20, verses 1, 2, and 3.
1: And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the keys to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any, uh, nations any anymore until the thousand years were ended, and after that he must be set free for a short time. Hmm. Maybe it's not what Scotty was talking about. Doesn't sound permanent, does
0: it? Mm-hmm. You were talking about the lake of fire. <coughs> well, I'm talking about the abyss. And so, what happens in the abyss? Who's there? <laughs> how, do, how do we know, based on the Revelation 21 through 3, how do we know that it's not permanent?
1: <laughs> because because it's,
0: that's right. How long is Satan thrown in that place? A thousand years. Yeah, right, he's locked up. We know that, don't we? We're all familiar with that. And then, what happens after the thousand years? <laughs>
1: loose for a short time? He's let
0: loose for a short time. I hope it's really short.
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> that when he roams the earth, the those that were born there.
0: Ah, exactly right. <laughs> Woo! We got wow. a theologian in our midst. Exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly what happens. And the point is, the abyss, this bottomless pit, is not permanent. But it's a place. But, but still, <laughs> you know, it's a, a place.
2: place? Yeah. It's <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Revelation twenty ten. And mm-hmm. the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be fermented day and night <coughs>
0: forever and ever. Okay. Let's read the second one then, because now we're talking about the lake of fire, because we know that Satan is thrown into this place called the abyss, the pit, the bottomless pit. And it is and it's temporary, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. What what's the different things? Susan?
1: The abyss
0: and the lake of fire. Right? The abyss and the lake of fire are absolutely two different things. Are they both hell? Mm-hmm. I'm
1: like yeah. the Part of it? Don't answer do that yet. Let's finish with <laughs> the lake of fire.
0: Let's finish the lake of fire. The lake of fire you just read verse uh Revelation twenty ten. Read it one more time if you would please. Okay.
2: And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. Where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown. They will be
0: terminated day and night, forever and ever. How long?
2: Forever and ever.
0: Eternity. That forever. makes it very different than the abyss. That makes yeah. it very different than the bottomless pit. This lake of fire all of a sudden has permanency. Mm-hmm. Okay? And according to Revelation 2010, who's there? The devil. the devil. Who else? And the beast. And the beasts and, beast. and the demons. And the false god. <coughs> and the false god. Anybody else? The
1: dead who were judged.
0: The, oh, and the dead who were judged. Turn to Matthew twenty-five, forty-one.
1: Then he will take to those on his left. Depart from me, you who are accursed into the eternal fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. Read the
0: next verse, too. Before
1: I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink.
0: So we know by context that what's happening in Matthew 25 in this section of Matthew 25 is we're talking about. Remember, remember what that—that's a parable about what? Goats and, mm-hmm. and, and sheep, sheep and pig. and so and so. Jesus is talking about hey, he's, there's a separation that's happening. Right, and we're going to look at this because Jesus uses the word "sheol" in this in this reference, and we're going to see in context what's happening with sheep and with goats. We're not going to do that tonight because we're going to deal with that next week, but we are going to deal right now with: Is the lake of fire and the abyss hell? So let's start with that question. Yeses and no's. Mm-hmm. And today all kinds of in today's terms, it
1: becomes
0: synonymous. Okay. The way people feel today. Oh, The way people feel today. Now, biblically speaking, because we have biblical references to each one of these definitions, we're trying to wrap a biblical definition around it because I can't, I can't do it in my own, on my own, right? Um, and so we're looking at a biblical definition for, for the lake of fire. And we're looking at a biblical definition for the abyss, the bottomless pit. Are they both hell? No. Biblically speaking.
1: Biblical, I think the abyss of is a little bit different. It's <laughs> temporary. Okay. Why would <laughs> you
0: think that? <laughs> we tell,
1: tell me. Well, because number one, when Jesus had the pigs and all the legion went out of the pigs, they said they pleaded, don't throw us into the pigs. Uh-huh. They were demons. Uh-huh. And I don't think, it doesn't sound so far when the Bible talks about Sheol or when the rich man was down in there. It doesn't sound like there's demons with him, only unsaved souls that are in that place. So mm-hmm. it seems like it's different. <laughs>
0: hmm. mm-hmm. so, so they're both not held because they're different. No,
1: they're Is that what I'm understanding? Well, they I mean... They're it yeah, synonymous. It's, it's like they're they're, they're synonymous. So that
0: means that means they're the same.
1: They're the same, but they're but they're different. <laughs> 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 Wait a minute now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got hang on, hang on a second. <laughs> the, the abyss sounds like the bottomless pit. So they're just they're falling, they're falling, 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 falling. It doesn't mention any fire or any torment or anything. That they're just being held there while they're falling, 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 falling.
0: falling, oh, that's falling. A holding still. Yes. I like that analogy. I hadn't really thought of it in those terms, but they're and they're not only falling, but they're falling. Mm-hmm. That's really kind of interesting. That's just what jumps out at me from what you said there. Mm-hmm. And so, so uh, well, let me, uh, Scotty. You want to say something desperately? I see <laughs> <it happen. laughs> I'll sit next to you next time. Okay. Yeah, I
2: think that I Um, I was thinking. Of hell as being the eternal separation from God, mm-hmm. okay, and we're, we're talking about it being a place, mm-hmm. you know, the abyss, lake of fire, and that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know that. If how about, hell is how about just you just turn that <laughs> around and say it's a place of everlasting? I'm sorry, we say verse, uh, absence of God. Oh, yeah. Uh, eternal separation. Yeah. If you take the two things you just said and say the second one first and the first one <laughs> second.
0: Okay, that's really interesting because what we said biblically speaking the definition of the first two words that the Bible uses for hell Sheol. Mm-hmm. is Sheol and Hades one is Hebrew one is Greek,
1: a bit Greek. and
0: they... And they have, they have virtually the same meaning, different language. Mm-hmm. The realm or location of the dead. Somebody's Somebody
2: Who's
1: listening?
2: Maybe Marvin. Marvin, are you listening? Can you hear me? We're hearing
1: <laughs> you. Somebody's <laughs> hearing me. It Somebody's right. it. <laughs> 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 It's Brenda. Brenda. Yeah, sounds right. Well, that's, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Can you hear me by the way? I think so. Oh, it's my you anyway. So now we now we take a look at the at this question. This is an important question before we meet tonight because <coughs> is now let me broaden the picture just a little bit, okay? Cindy? You're so quiet tonight. <laughs> <laughs> She's saving <safe enough. laughs> <The American>, up. Yeah, <laughs> no, She usually whacks me upside the <laughs> head later. Um, so, the lake of fire and the abyss, are they hell? But, wait, how about Sheol, Hades, Gehenna?
1: Mm-hmm. Are they hell? Does the Bible use
0: the word hell anywhere? Oh, my translation does. My translation, when I read it in the in the NIV for Hades, says hell.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And for Sheol, sure. sure. yeah. my NIV, I happen to like the NIV. Now, whether I like it or I don't like it is not necessarily <coughs> important, but I'm just telling you I do. It's a thought-for-thought translation, and in my Bible, the one that I read, this one, it's all duct taped up. I like it. I don't want to get rid of it. It is says "hell." Point.
1: Well, the United States is the United States, but there's California, New York, and Montana and Wyoming. Oh, yeah. that's a good. good different counties.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good point. It's all hell, but
1: yeah. there's different.
0: <laughs> yeah. but, oh, keep going. It's all hell, but what? Follow out? Go with that All, but
1: it's like different sections or different stages or. Let me help a little bit. And could it be before the judgment, the people that are in in uh, hell and Hades and whatnot? That's before judgment, and then after judgment they are uh, thrown into the lake of fire.
0: So, now. is before they are thrown into the lake of fire, is it hell? Right. Yeah. I have yes. First, yes. So the abyss is
1: before. And
0: But the abyss is before and after. Is the abyss really? Is the abyss after? Or is there no more abyss? And then it's Mm -hmm. all a lake of fire. It's just a
1: lake of fire.
0: Because I hate this. It's it's just a lake of fire. Yeah, I love this. Uh, We we have to think about it. Because we're going to start looking at some scripture. And we're going to be confronted by this issue. So it's important to start working through it now and even wrestling around with it and struggling and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. So we have these words that Scripture uses and then it has been translated in various translations. Every single one of these words that we just spent over an hour going through a biblical definition of is used in various translations and it is spelled H. E L L so the question that we're confronted with is Sheol Hades Gehenna Abyss and the lake of fire yep that's the one is that hell?
1: I'm not so sure the lake of fire is but the others are I think because the scripture says that death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire Mm. so I don't quite know if they were burned up there or if they'd just been there. Like sure. <laughs> <laughs> a new There's an old and there's a new. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: That's what I was going to suggest. Is we know God's consistent and we know that He's only can tell the truth and He's not going to change anything. The same God that has a new heaven and a new earth the only reasonably he would remodel hell sure. as <laughs> well.
0: It's okay. Okay. And don't forget, it's not a remodel, though. No, it's made new. Just, it's, a, it's. That's right. It's a, re- it's a, it's a redemption, not a, not a remodel. And there's, there is a difference. But we are confronted starting next week. I really thought we were going to get there tonight. But I just have. Oh, this is so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, in a really tough way. It's really if you kind want of us fun. want to be quiet. We can get No,
1: it. I don't want to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I'm going kind to of suggest that we should leave on a more positive note. Which if we read the next scripture reference that is more? Well, we can leave on something
0: very positive, but before we leave, we need to think through and prayerfully consider the scriptures that we are going to begin looking at starting next week. We are not going back. We are going to be looking at what Jesus. And his followers, through the power of the Holy Spirit, said about hell. And the words used, because we're going to look at both Jesus and his disciples' writing. And the words we're going to be confronted with in the original language when writing about this topic of hell are Sheol, Hades, Gehenna, the abyss, or pit, and the lake of fire. They're all going to be used. And if we don't come to terms even if we leave here struggling with the answer to the question, are all those words definitive of hell in one way or another? Biblically. Not what we think. But biblically. We need to get to the point where we've either settled it or we're going to continue to wrestle with it because when we start looking at these words next week, that Jesus said about hell, but he used the word Gehenna. We're going to be in trouble, aren't we? (laughs) And it may take several weeks at looking at Gehenna, Hades, Sheol. To get to the point where we understand the nature of God and the words that we're using to use to describe this prolific place and realm, amen. It's tough. So we're going to leave on something positive because Timmy said we have to. I think good. Okay. And I did you? Have I
2: could first, of, could all first, first all of all say that, all that, all that, that I understand that I'm that not that the only one that used to dream that I forgot my locker. At school. <laughs> well, I replaced that dream with a dream of, etern- of falling. Mm-hmm. So, not to give anybody else a new nightmare to have. But <laughs> I told Marvin and all the educators who fall to the locker room. Now, the positive is, of course, uh, Daniel 12, 2, which reads, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. There's improvement here because we're all the former.
0: We're all the former in terms of rising to everlasting life with our Lord, with our Savior, with our God. And he has us here tonight to be thinking through this, this challenge of Yehenna, this challenge of Hades, this challenge, let's just, let's just use it in our terminology, this challenge of help where real people are going to be going it's a real place and people are going to go there and that more so I think than the realization that each of us is going to heaven for an eternity ought to be the sobering thought that we leave here with even tonight to be thinking about our heart for others because we need to leave here with a heart that Jesus had. And next week when we see what Jesus said about Gehenna, we're going to leave here thinking, I think wrongly because we think Jesus, and we know Jesus, is love. But we're going to see what he had to say about Gehenna as a warning. As a warning. Sobering. We need to talk about not only God's life, but we can't be afraid to talk about the consequence if you just decide to blow him off. It's horrific in the valley of Hinnah, isn't it? It's horrific what happened there. So, we can't forget that. Tough as it is.
1: Amen?